0: I know maybe you don't always hear about this, but I just have to tell you, these last six weeks have been just, just an amazing time of seeing God do some uh, tremendous things. And so, uh, I just want to celebrate that with you. But, uh, you know, the, the whole point of this series is uh, called Getting Our Life Back, is about us getting back into the place where we're living the life that we desire to live. But more, actually, more importantly than that, that we're getting back to the place where we're living the life that God designed us to live. And that's, that's a pretty big difference because a lot of times the life we want to live and the life God designed for us are not the same. And uh, just to recall, the first week we identified that we can't do this on our own. When, we, when you want to do life change, when you want spiritual change in your life, you can't do it on your own. And, that the, the, and, and the second week we realized that God not only cares for us and desires change for us, but he actually can do something about it. So we can't do it on our own, but God can help us. And then the third week, we talked about identifying those things that prevent us from taking the steps into change. Remember pride, guilt, fear, worry, doubt, those five things. And we took a minute at the end to try and identify, is there one of the, are, are maybe one or more of these different things that are keeping us from taking that step? That was the third week. And then the fourth week, we looked at confessing. You know, confessing before God the stuff in our life that's, that's, that's uh, not right before him or even relationally, we, uh, you know, many of our uh, relationships, we needed to either extend or give uh, and, and receive forgiveness from others. And I think that one of the things you can overlook is that oftentimes we need to actually forgive ourselves. And when we can't forgive ourselves from things, it prevents us from moving forward. And then the fifth week we started, we realized the the process of transformation begins, and last week we talked about reconciling the relationship with God and others. And then this week, after all that, we've taken those first steps, we want to talk about how can we prevent backward motion, or relapsing as they call it, in the world of, of recovery. And that's what we want to be looking at. And the, the truth is that change is not always, and actually maybe a better way of saying that is not usually a smooth, easy process, right? Change is not always this great thing. Some people love change, but that's kind of the minority. And um, what happens in our lives is that we tend to go back to repeating uh, behavioral patterns and habits that have Taken place in our life over a long period of time. That's that's typically what happens, and you hear the, you've heard the phrases right. Old habits die hard, right? You know you know why they say that because old habits die hard. That, that's why they say that. You know January. What happens every January first? New Year's resolution. I, I was just looking uh, looking on the uh, you know un, undying truth uh, network. That's called the internet, and. Um, just do a little research, it's printed, it's true, and uh, it, it says that 8% of New Year's resolutions, people, people actually follow through, 8%. So out of 100 people making resolutions, eight of them follow through, and actually they say within the first six months, more than half have stopped. I, I was surprised, I, I thought that was quite optimistic, honestly. Eight percent. But even as optimistic as that is, you realize that we tend to be people who revert to old habits. The second you hear this phrase, "Time heals all wounds," right? The truth is, time does nothing for wounds. What you do with the time will heal the wounds. And in some cases, uh, in some cases, time can actually exacerbate a problem, right? Depending on what you do with it. Depending on what happens during that time, it can, sometimes in relationships it can make you become more bitter. It can make you less healthy, depending on what you do. The third one I love is practice makes perfect. Did you know that's only true if your practice is perfect? Perfect practice makes perfect. I I just realized this with guitar. I, uh, you know, obviously have been playing for a lot of years. Well, to me at least. But I've been playing guitar for a lot of years, and I realize I have a lot of bad habits. And, and, and the problem is I've just done these bad habits for so long that actually one of the things, this is kind of sound nerdy, but I tried to change the way I hold the pick to the right way. Completely difficult. I felt like I was playing the guitar upside down or something. Just because over years I've established a pattern of doing something the wrong way and I've reinforced it over and over. And the, and the reality is that old habits die hard, especially when for a long period of time, you have done imperfect practice, right? And so today what I want to do is we're going to be looking at what causes the setbacks or the relapses, if you want to call them that, in our lives, spiritually speaking, and the behaviors that prevent us from, from moving our lives forward. And I, I just want to pray as we get started here this morning, so will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I, we, we invite you into this moment we ask you for the next few minutes as we talk together that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts and would speak to us clearly. I pray that what's uh, talked about this morning and this time would be what you desire and that you would individually, you would, you would show up in each of our lives and we would hear from you and understand what it is you're calling us to do and how we can move forward and prevent falling back after we've taken these first steps. We ask this in your name, Amen. Here's what I want to help us understand to start, that, that these setbacks from a behavioral standpoint, when you're talking about change, which again, we've said, is not always so fun and easy. When you're talking about change, that these setbacks from a behavioral standpoint, they're just a very predictable pattern, how it happens. And here's, here's what happens. First of all, laziness sets in, Right? So you start, what happens is you, you, you make a change in New Year's resolution or you, as many of us have made over these last six weeks, we've made a commitment to try and uh, change a relationship or a habit or something that's preventing us from being what we want to be. and we start to see the results of that change and it feels really good, right? We feel happy about it, we, we start to feel positive and then we, we get comfortable with that change and we start thinking things like, actually I don't really need more help, <laughs> it's better than it used to be, Yeah. It's good enough, right? We get a little bit lazy. Then the next thing that happens is that we start to develop a convenient memory. Things are a little bit better than they used to be. We're kind of comfortable with the change. We start rationalizing. We say, oh, it wasn't that bad. We start to go, you know, actually, you know, it's like with the girlfriend, you break up with the girlfriend, then you don't have a girlfriend. You're like, ah, it wasn't that bad. Maybe I should start dating again. And you start to forget actually how bad it was. No, she tried to throw an ax at me. That was bad, right? And then what happens after our, our, our memory gets convenient, the next thing that happens is we let our guard down. And, and we go back to those places of temptation. You call the girlfriend. Hey, just seeing what you're doing. What you doing? We go back to those relationships and the people that have helped us develop those bad patterns in our life. Rick Warren, uh, says this about relapse and it's a very interesting quote he says you need to understand that the collapse is not the relapse the catastrophe is not when relapse happens it started much earlier the catastrophe is simply the result of the pattern that happened see what happens with change and this is Romans 12 right be transformed by the renewing of your mind what happens is when we start to have these thought patterns we get lazy our memory gets convenient and, and then, and then we, uh, we let our guard down, we start thinking differently, and it leads to a different pattern of behavior. And the problem isn't when the relapse happens, the problem is all these steps that ha- we allowed to happen before. Right? Does that make sense? And so the question we want to look at is, why do we revert to old patterns even when we know we want to change? And even when we know what the right thing is to do, why is it that we find ourselves reverting to our old habits? And I think that there are four reasons. And I'll just tell you this, by the way, this is just a, just a, just a random plug here. If you, don't, if you have the app, just go, open your app. You could, all the notes are right in there. Just go to the Bible uh, and, and all the notes, the verses and everything are in there. If you want to follow along that way, you can take notes in, the, in, in your app right there. So, uh, so four, four reasons that we, I believe we don't succeed in having long-term change in our lives. The first is this, we depend on our own strength. Remember the first week in this series, we have to understand that we can't do it. Right? The first step is understand I'm, I'm, I can't do it. Second week, we realize, well, God can. Third week, so we give it to God. We realize what's holding us back. We take that first step. And then we start to take credit for ourselves. We start to see the change and then we start to say, well, you know what? I think I'm okay. I'm doing pretty good. I, 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 I. So we started with the realization that God is the thing that's going to help us make the change. And somehow we translate that into, I'm making this change. So really, if you understand the New Testament, it's uh, interesting. So you have the Gospels, four different accounts of Jesus' life. Those are the first four books. Then you have Acts, which is sort of the history of the New Testament. Then at the very end, you have Revelation, which is a prophetic book. And then in the middle there, you have all of these, what they're called, epistles. And an epistle is just simply uh, the wife of an apostle. (laughs) It's <laughs> no, it's not. An epistle is actually a letter that just came to me right then, bam. Uh, an, um, an epistle is a letter that's written to a church addressing specific problems that are occurring in the church. And what's really interesting is that with a lot of these letters that we read, you read them, and if you know the background, you're like, yeah, that's my church, <laughs> that's every church. Because we're people and we have problems. And This is what's so great about the Bible. We don't have, we're not facing these problems for the first time. God's word just says so much about it. And if we just go to his word, we can find solutions for these problems. But if we come across one of these letters. is the, the, the book of Galatians. It's a, it's a letter written to the church in, in Galatia. And it's written, you know, just maybe about 20 years after Christ. And what had happened in that church is that they had made these gains in coming to Christ, had accepted Christ into their life, and some false teaching had crept into the church, and that false teaching had led them back to a works-based salvation. So what happened is exactly what we're talking about. They depend on their own strength. And look at this verse that we find, Galatians 3, chapter 3, and it says this. Are you so foolish after after beginning by means of the Spirit... Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? That's the first reason we're not successful, because we take the first step, and then we try and take credit, and we try and take ownership on our own of how to make the change happen. You know, we, uh, one of the struggles I'm guessing many of us have, I know I have this, we start to see the progress like we just talked about, and we're we like, okay, I'm good. Hey, God, I'll ring you up when I need you again. I'm fine right now. Okay, I'm just telling you that's a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for disaster. Because if God is the one that's going to make the change, and we start trying to play God, we're all in trouble. And you the most. Paul, another, another uh, letter Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, L- listen to this, Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this, that he... Speaking of God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began the work, he will carry it on, he will complete it. I'm going to give you the, the MRV, Mike Rutledge version of that verse. It says this, being confident of this, that I who began a good work in me will fail repeatedly until I learn to rely on Christ Jesus. See, when God starts to do something, the only thing we do by taking it into our own hands is get in the way and make it mucky. That's the first problem. In the early 1800s, uh, Napoleon's, you know, massive army was preparing to attack uh, uh, Feldrick, Feldkirk, I think, Austria, maybe. And the story goes like this. The soldiers had been spotted on the heights above, little, uh, above the little known town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try and find themselves, defend themselves or display the white flag of surrender. It happened to be Easter Sunday, and the people had gathered in the local church. The pastor rose and said, friends, we've been counting on our own strength, and apparently that has failed. As this is the day of our Lord's resurrection, let us ring the bells, have our services as usual, and leave the matter in his hands. We know our weakness, we know only our weakness and not the power of God to defend us. The council accepted his plan and the church bells rang. The enemy, hearing the sudden peal, concluded that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend the town. Before the service ended, the enemy broke camp and left. See, we depend on our own strength rather than the strength of God. And that's the first reason we don't succeed. The second thing is this. We pick and choose the parts that we like. In in the recovery process, they call this skipping a step. What we like to do is create comfortable, non-intrusive plans that allow us to continue to hopefully see a little bit of progress but not really have to create a whole lot of uncomfortable life change. Not have to change the hard things. Look at this verse, again in Galatians. It says this, You were doing so well. Who made you stop believing the truth? How did he persuade you? It was not done by God who calls you. It takes only a little yeast to make the whole batch of dough rise, as they say. See, there are two things that he says in this verse. He says the first thing, you stopped obeying the truth, right? We stopped doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I got to tell you, there's a story. I was, this is a few years ago, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to be honest with you about this. I was, uh, I, we had something going on with the church. I don't remember what it was, this, this event. And um, I, I was uh, running late. And um, so I had to stop at Costco and get something uh, en route. And so I stop at Costco. And, and as I'm leaving Costco, um, I see this woman who's in the um, like this customer service line. And uh, this woman, uh, her son or daughter, I don't remember who, had played on a team with one of our other kids, a sports team, and and when we had last seen her, we would seen her uh, in that context and she was struggling, she shared some stuff with us, and then she kind of disappeared and I see her in the line. But I'm late for a very important church thing. And in about two seconds I had this, I literally had this conversation because I swear the Holy Spirit, the voice of God spoke to me and said, you should go talk to her my response was, I can't, I'm late for a church thing. <laughs> I had important things to do. Now, I, I'm not telling you that if I would have stopped and talked to her that we would have had a moment of healing or she would have fallen on her face and accepted. I don't know about any of that because I don't really think it had anything to do with her at that moment. It had to do with me and my willingness to be obedient to doing what God asked me to do. And in the moment, I wasn't. And I'll just tell you this, when you stop listening to the Spirit, it gets easier not, to not hear him. And I think eventually he gets kind of quiet. That's called quenching the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about quenching the Spirit. But that's the first thing, we, don't, we stop obeying the truth. The second thing is that we allow sins and behaviors or patterns to creep back in. You know, as though it's fine. We'll, we'll, I, do, I, do the thing, I do the things I want. So, number one, we stop obeying the truth. The second thing is we do things that we know we're not supposed to do. And we see that when it says, it only takes a little yeast to make the whole batch of dough rise. Right? I had a, a youth pastor, he, 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 he said it like this. He's, he said, Here, here's what oftentimes what we do. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we look at Satan and we go, I'm going to stay this far from Satan, Right? I'm just going to keep a safe distance from Satan. God's right here, and I'm here. And he says, here's the trick of Satan that's really simple. So if I'm staying this far from him, all he has to do is take a step in this direction. And I'm actually moving further away from God. I'm still keeping this safe distance, but I'm not getting any closer to God. And here's what happens in our family. Uh, We like to play pranks on each other, mostly me on others. But we play these pranks. And one of the things I like to do is put stuff in people's food. You should try it. It's fun. Your kids love it. Um, And think about this example. If you take a glass of water, you take some salt, you can't even see it. It dissolves. But here's what's happening. This is what happens. I want you to understand that once you add salt to the water, the very nature of what that water is supposed to do is changed. Now, people may not be able to see the difference in you, but water with salt goes from something that quenches your thirst to making you thirsty and dehydrating you. And this is what happens when we allow those sins to creep into our life. We move no closer to Christ. Maybe we're staying a safe distance, but we allow those behaviors, I don't know, are, are you honest on your taxes? <laughs> Did you get the water cup and now you're getting soda? <laughs> See, we allow these little things to creep in and it creates a problem and it keeps us moving in the wrong direction from Christ. The third thing is we try and do it alone. And I got to tell you that the point of the gospel is to live in community. Life change should happen for the greater community, not just for us. Look at e- Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. See, when we try and do it alone, what we decide is this. One, I'm not going to share it with someone because then I'm going to be accountable. Or or I'm not going to expose it because then I might feel shamed, might be embarrassed. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to live in ignorance like the problem doesn't exist. I'm not going to go to counseling because then I have to put a plan into place. I don't want a plan. And guess what? Without a plan, it's not going to happen. See, when we try and do it alone, we may see, actually, you can see short-term gains. You probably will. But when you fall, it says in that verse, but when you fall, there is no one there to pick you up. And let me ask you this. If if the point of the gospel is to live in community and for our lives to affect each other, what about when someone else falls? Am I going to be there for them or am I just worried about my own stuff? See, life change will not happen when we do it by ourselves trying do it alone. The fourth thing is this, that we become prideful. This is really interesting. You, you, you all know the verse, right? Pride goes before a fall, right? Nope. That's not what it says. What it actually says, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty, A-U-G-H-T, why not O-T-T-I-E, Haughty <laughs> spirit. So when we say pride goes before a fall, we're shortchanging the reality because what happens is pride is before destruction. Boom. If you start to become prideful, all of those gains that you've made will be destroyed. Not just, you won't just fall, they'll be destroyed. It's been said that pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed that the cause of the accident, it wasn't a technology problem like a radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness and pride. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence. Both could have steered clear, but according to the news reports, Neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. And by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. Pride, destruction. And here's the bummer about pride. It, doesn't just dest- it didn't just destroy those captains, did it? Hundreds of lives were lost as a result of two people's pride. It's really interesting. Uh, if you're watching the playoffs, Steph Curry, who's just this ama- he's just blowing it up. He's amazing. He received it. Did someone whoop over there? <laughs> okay. Um, he, he just was awarded the uh, MV, league MVP for the year. Check this out. Here's what he said in his, in his uh, acceptance speech. He said, I'm a little nervous. This is a tremendous honor. First and foremost, I have to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for blessing me with the talents to play this game with a family that supports me day in and day out. I'm his humble servant right now. I can't say enough how important my faith is to how I play the game and who I am. So I'm just blessed and thankful for where I am. Here's the thing. Here's a guy who's at the top of the heap when it comes to the NBA, right? And he has the humility to understand he went on, by the way, to take his father, his mother, his grandmother, his, friend, his, his brothers, and his, all of his friends and coaches that helped him. See, here's, a pr- here, here's what happens with pride, is it blocks our ability to get the true glimpse of ourselves. We only see the good. See, Steph Curry could see that it was the others investing in him that actually allowed him to get to where he was. Humility allows us to see ourselves as we truly are and see our faults. And it makes us able to see what needs to change. You want to see the great example of pride? Greatest example of pride and how it failed? Isaiah 14 says this. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I, 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 I. I. See, Satan, Lucifer, was the top-ranking angel in heaven, but that wasn't good enough. See, he had a plan. He had a desire. And his desire was to be number one, not number two. And as a result, pride led to what? Destruction. Thrown out of heaven. And let's tell you that when it comes to sin in our lives, there's not a single sin that is not the result of pride. We steal because we think we deserve something or we want something, we lie because we don't want to be exposed or we want to manipulate the truth. Pride is the root cause of every single sin. And I. Every single sin. Every single one. So, how can we be successful? How can we be successful? And I want to read just this, and then I'm going to talk about a couple things. And this is Matthew 16, 25. says this. How can we be successful? For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I want to share with you two stories that I think exemplify the way we can actually see life change happen and have it continue in our life. And it's through that verse that we just read in Matthew. It's through losing our life. The only way for us to see our dreams, our hopes, our desires come true is to let go of our dreams and hopes and desires and give them to God. It's very counterintuitive in the worldly humanistic standpoint. Look at this passage with me. I'm going to read two, two accounts that are very similar. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 14 says this. And while he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke it and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. They scolded her, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me, for she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And I say, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went out to the chief priests in order to betray him. And when they heard it, they were glad and they promised to give him money. And she sought, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. All right. Jesus is in Bethany, goes to this meal. This woman comes up, she has... Uh, this alabaster jar filled with nard Worth about a year's wage Basically is what it was worth For a common working man Let me just ask you a few questions What's so significant about that experience That, make, that he says I tell you wherever the gospel is proclaimed In the whole world What she has done will be told in memory She will be memorialized for this act Why is that? Well, let's just talk about why she has a year's worth of like this perfume or this incense, a year's wages worth of this stuff. Well, because very likely this was uh, like a dowry, something she'd been saving. It was her hopes and her dreams, her desires. One day she's going to have a husband and a family, and this was the dowry that was going to allow her to get there. And what does she do in this moment? She breaks the jar and she anoints Jesus with it. What is she saying? She's saying, my dreams... I'm putting them behind your dreams and desires, because I believe that what you have for me is better. A year, think about this, a year's worth of wages she just gives to Jesus right then. This isn't something that just happened overnight. She makes a deliberate decision to yield her own desires to, to Jesus. What she saw in Jesus was something much better than what she had for herself. And here's the other question. So why was this such a big deal for Judas? I want to read another account that we find. It's in John chapter 12, and it goes like this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he uh, he, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money, he used to help himself to what was put in it. We have two different, very, very different approaches. You have Judas. So why was Judas so lit up about this that the very second that it happened, he runs off to figure out a betrayal plan? Why is that? See, because he had dreams too. And he wasn't willing to give up his dreams. And you know what's interesting? His dreams actually masqueraded as some spiritually significant thing. We could have given this to the poor. He didn't want to give it to the poor. He wanted to take it from himself. And the very second that he sees this waste, he's upset with Jesus and he goes out and lights up a betrayal pan. Check this out. For how much? One-tenth of what the woman had given. For one-tenth of what that woman had given, he was willing to sell his soul and sell out his Savior. The same amount of a tithe, just incidentally. One-tenth. Here's what I want us to understand. Josh, maybe you bring that stuff forward for me if you would. I want want to demonstrate. I saw this. uh, Actually, Josh sent this link to me. And I think that he, so so how can we be successful? Here's what I'm telling you. We will only achieve what we desire. And our, our dreams, our desires, our hopes, those changes that we're looking for in our life will only happen when we lay them down before Christ. Only then. And so what can we do? Well, I'm just going to tell you a few things. Here's a real practical thing. If you want to know how to, how to follow God's word, what do you have to know? What it says. So how can you know what God says? You read his word. And this, this example is really interesting because this is just a standard trash can. Right? This is a trash can. What are cans used for? You throw junk in them. You put your rakes in your garage. You throw garbage in it or whatever, right? It just holds stuff. Saves stuff for you. And in a typical sense, in a spiritual sense, what Judas was doing was this. He was storing his stuff in his trash can. Keeping it for himself. Saving all his stuff. And when he realized that Jesus was taking the stuff out of the trash can, even before it went in there, he got frustrated. See, and what we need to be doing is we need to be seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. We need to be seeking Him daily. And it kind of looks like this. You guys can uh, hit that. So check this out. See, if we just fill ourselves up with the junk in our lives, right, we just become... Whatever, trash can that's holding stuff. But when we fill ourselves up with the Spirit, here's what happens. The gospel, as it said, gets proclaimed. Right? Instead of having junk. See that? This is the God. We fill up with the Holy Spirit. We fill up with his power, his presence, his teaching. And the gospel is proclaimed. Yeah, my wife did this with her first graders. I'm copying from her. But do you see what I'm saying? We can approach life in two different ways. One, get stuff for ourselves, save it. Or like the woman who poured the the costly stuff on on Jesus, we can be involved in the gospel going out. So here's what I wanna challenge you with. And band, you guys can come on forward as we transition into time of worship this morning. Here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to give you a real practical step. So, the only way we can have life change that's not of our own doing is to have some spiritual practices in place. I'm going to give you what's, I'm going to call it this, the 30 day challenge. Someone did this for, my wife and I did this very early in our marriage. This guy challenged us with a 30 day challenge, and this this is what he said I want you to go home, and for the next 30 days, without missing, read the Bible. Set a time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to pray without missing. And I'll just tell you that in my life, that practice, that 30 day challenge, has transformed my spiritual walk with Jesus Christ and my wife as well. Because after 21 days, it becomes a habit. You want to replace those bad habits with something good? Here's a great step 30 day challenge. Second thing I want to just tell you is in that prayer time, you need to do investigation. Check your heart. Are you getting prideful? Are you doing it on your own? Just confess. Seek him. But make sure you're filling up with the right stuff, not our own junk. And I'm going to invite our greeters to come, and we're going to take our offering as we uh, transition to some musical worship here. That's what I want to tell you. This, even this, is another one of those spiritual practices. Just like Judas and the woman, that woman was willing to give everything she had so that Jesus Christ's dreams and the gospel would go out. And Judas was holding on to his money so tightly that he couldn't see what God wanted done. And honestly, I'm just going to be bone honest with you guys here. There are many of us here today that are, we don't trust God enough to say, you know what, I'm going to trust you with my finances, I'm going to let it go. And I know when, I, when you talk about money, people get all kind of bent out of shape. I know. I get it. Um, don't give to K2. Do the, If you're going to give, give to God. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful. You sent your son so that we could be in right relationship with you. He came with your plan in mind. He sacrificed his life and he put his plans behind your plans and you ask us to do the same and follow. We just ask that in this moment you would speak to us. What are you you saying to us? Is there something that's gonna cause a relapse because we're in our own strength or we're getting lazy or whatever it is, Jesus? Convict us of that. Lead us and guide us. We pray that you would have all of our heart. We would hear from you. And you would lead us. We ask this in your name. Amen.